Our sermon this morning comes from two different texts. We continue again in Galatians, having taken a break for Holy Week. The first text and reading is Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 15. And Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And then a second reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Verses 24 through 27, Jesus with his disciples. Also a dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. May God bless our Understanding the reading of His Holy Word. Amen. We have just celebrated the Lord Jesus dying for our sins on the cross and His being raised to life. The curse has been lifted. We are forgiven. We are saved by grace. We've been reconciled to God. And as Paul writes in another letter in Romans, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Set free. We are set free this morning. You know, but freedom is a dangerous thing. I got to confess, even as I thought about freedom and prepared this sermon this week, I struggled with exactly what that freedom that Paul wrote about really is. I've shared some of the words of the late Episcopalian priest, Robert Ferrer Capon. He was a writer. I've shared some of his words in this series on Galatians and grace. Let me do it again. Picking up on Paul's words that there is no condemnation, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation for two reasons. You are dead now. And God, as the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, has been dead all along. The blame game was over before it started. It really was. All Jesus did was announce that truth and tell you it would make you free. It was admittedly a dangerous thing to do. You are a menace. But he did it. And therefore, menace or not, here you stand, uncondemned, forever, now, What are you going to do with your freedom? 
That is our standing before God this morning, uncondemned. It doesn't matter what the past week was like since last Sunday. Christ's redeeming work is good for past, present, and future. What are you going to do with your freedom? You know, it's sometimes the case that people who have been incarcerated or in jail or in prison for a long time, they fear being set free. Sometimes when a person is freed, sometimes they'll do something to get put back in because it is safer behind bars and with guards and people telling them what to do and the rules and how to behave. When the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union broke up and communism began to be weakened, many people experienced a new freedom politically and socially. But some of those countries also experienced skyrocketing rates of addiction and social problems as they wrestled with this new freedom and as breakdowns in their societies that they'd never experienced before began to take place. Freedom is a tricky thing, and it can be dangerous. Now, spiritually, we are free from the old religious law. We are free from the checklist of old Jewish rules. You know, you can keep track of people. You can even control them with a bunch of rules. But God isn't interested in keeping track of us as if we are people in a zoo. He has freed us through the life of His Son. Now, what are we going to do with that freedom? The Lamb of God has been slain and He's taken away our sin and our guilt. We are free because of the grace of Christ. Now, that bothers people in churches of a more legalistic bent. It bothered those who were hearing Paul say that they no longer had to keep the laws of Judaism to be right with God. This is part of the danger of grace, because if you start doing that, taking away the rules and, making, and having people free and live by grace, won't they get out of hand? Won't they start to become spiritually lazy? I mean, if God has done it all for us through Christ, what is there for us to do? We don't have to do anything, do we? People are going to stop coming to worship. They're not going to read their Bibles anymore. People are going to stop being good. No more morality. I'm here to tell you they'll just do anything they want. Because after all, isn't Christianity about being good? How are people going to pursue being good if they don't have to run on a religious treadmill? And so we hear a lot, well, you know, we got to try harder and we got to do more so that we can get our lives together. Christianity then becomes what we do for God rather than what God has done for us. There's a pastor down in Florida, Coral Gables Presbyterian Church. His name is Tullian Chavidian. I think I said that right, but he wrote a book called One Way Love, Inexhaustible Grace in an Exhausted World. One Way Love, Inexhaustible Grace in an Exhausted World. And he said in an interview, if we're not careful, we can give people the impression that Christianity is first and foremost about the sacrifice we make for Jesus rather than the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Our performance for Him rather than His performance for us. Our obedience for Him rather than His obedience for us. The hub of Christianity is not do something for Jesus. The hub of Christianity is Jesus has done everything for you. 
And I fear that too many people, both inside and outside the church, have heard this plea for intensified devotion and concluded that the focus of the Christian faith is our love for God instead of God's love for us. I think we will find more strength and more power in our following Jesus when we become less centered in ourselves and more centered on God. I think it will happen better for us when we think more of what he's done for us than of what we're going to do for him. And when we take stock of Christ's work, not our works. Paul insists to the Galatians that they are called to freedom in Christ. We are called to freedom from our Christian performance. We're free from that. From constantly worrying about how we are doing and from our performance being the thing that determines whether God loves me or not. We are free from everything having to be in order because Lord knows, is it it ever in order? We may feel depressed. Uh, Maybe we find it impossible or just very, very difficult to pray. Maybe our family is falling apart. That doesn't determine our standing before the Lord. There are parts of me that just, you know, they're not good and they're not changing. And uh, instead of my obsessing on myself and becoming more self-centered than I already am, I, I try to look at Christ and what he has done for me. And I try to just become more centered on him and focus on what he's done for me. Uh, there are times my prayer is this. Phil, you are such a screw-up. But Christ has died for you, and he's risen for you. You are free, you are forgiven, so get up, keep going, and live. Grace is a dangerous thing. People get squirrely and nervous because we're free. But does this freedom mean anything goes? There are probably two big dangers to freedom. One is legalism. The other is license. Legalism puts on a whole bunch of rules and burdens and things you have to do. License is dangerous to freedom because it says, it abuses freedom because it says, well, you can do anything you want, whenever you want, how you want. You know, Jesus frees us from sin, but he doesn't free us to sin. Those who oppose Paul think, man, he is a spiritual anarchist. After all, if you take away the rules, people are going to just go hog wild. They're going to stop being good. We need the rules to keep ourselves good. But Paul is big on the freedom of the gospel. No one uses that word freedom in the New Testament any more than Paul. In his letters, he uses that word 28 times. Ten of those times, he uses it in the letter to the Galatians. He begins chapter 5 of Galatians by saying, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And now this morning, we hear that we're called to freedom. But apparently, this freedom is doing more than just whatever we please. Paul writes, he says, Now don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence or indulging the flesh. And the New International Version leaves out a key phrase, as an opportunity. I wish they had not left that out. The word in our Bibles for opportunity, which should be there, was a military term for 
the spot from where an offensive movement was launched. It was the base of operations. Because we have nothing to do or prove to be accepted and loved by God doesn't mean that we use it as a beachhead for our own indulgence. Freedom is not a launching point to satisfy our own lives and desires all the time. Instead, Paul points to love. And he says, through love, become slaves to one another. And I use the New Revised Standard Version because that's exactly what Paul says. It isn't be servants. He says, the word he uses is slaves. Be slaves to one another in love. You know, we speak of servanthood in our churches. Even the corporate world has picked up on servanthood. They write about, they talk about servant leadership now. But the biblical word is slave. We should probably speak of slavehood, which obviously has a much stronger punch than servant. It isn't nearly as respectable. Uh, I might be able to swallow being a servant, but a slave? One time when Jesus' disciples got into an argument over who was the greatest, Jesus said, you know what? That's not what you're about. You're about serving. And he said, I've come among you as one who serves. Christ Jesus, though he was God, made himself nothing, taking the very form of a slave. That's what Jesus did with his freedom. The position of slave that Paul speaks of in Galatians, though, isn't a slavery of force. It's not a slavery of compulsion. It's not a slavery of cruelty, but one motivated by love. He writes, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, there were 613 different laws that had been written and created in the Jewish faith. 613 different laws you had to keep. Paul says, we can boil everything down to one simple thing. Love the other person. Love your neighbor as yourself. It actually comes from the Old Testament. Ironically, it comes from the law. Leviticus chapter 19. Who would have guessed, huh? When Jesus was asked one time, what what is the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then he said, but there's a second one. He quoted that, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gave a new commandment. He said, this is a new commandment. And he gave it to his disciples, to us. He said, love one another as I've loved you. James, in his letter, calls loving our neighbor, that law from Leviticus, he says, that's the royal law. That's the royal law. Uh, In Romans, Paul again writes, and he says, we should owe no one anything except, this is what you owe people, love one another. And he says that all those commandments, the ones about committing adultery and not murdering and stealing, coveting, all those can be summed up in the one commandment of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Just love. And you know, love is always practiced on. It's always taken out on another person. So become slaves of one another. Yes, there's irony in that the same sentence, Paul speaks of freedom and he speaks of slavery. We're free to love. No, there isn't a list of rules that God is keeping to make sure we're all in order. And it isn't easier, and isn't it easier not to have to run through, you know, a hundred things to make sure we're doing it all right, but we can just keep one thing in front of us. 
Grace doesn't mean it's all been done. Grace doesn't mean it has all been done for you so you don't do anything. Grace does mean you can't do anything anyway to earn your own way with God. He's loved you anyway, so be that way for other people. When we do things for other people out of love, we're not trying to earn their favor. We're not trying to earn our way with them. When we do things for our children, for our wife, for our husband, for our grandchildren, for our friends, we do it merely because we love them. God doesn't want us to serve out of compulsion. He wants us to do it out of our desire. And that's why discipleship springs up from a life of grace. If we approach God with the attitude, ooh, grace, freedom, I wonder how much I can get away with. Ooh, I wonder how much I can get away with. I think that shows we really don't understand what that grace is and how it works. True understanding of grace doesn't find out how much it can get away with, but it recognizes grace is a gift. And it recognizes the price that was paid for it and the freedom we have because of it. You know, when we speak of political or social freedom, we often hear the phrase, freedom isn't free. You've heard that, right? How much more so when it comes to the gospel? Our freedom was paid with the life of God's own Son. A life that truly understands grace will give itself back in gratitude. Now, I want to comment on verse 15 because many people wonder about its meaning. Paul chastises the Galatians for biting, for devouring one another. He says, if you keep doing this, you're going to destroy yourself. What was he talking about? You know, one thing this does is it reminds us that Paul writes in all of his letters to real and specific situations. We may not know what the original situation was, but Paul certainly did. There's a great deal of specificity in Paul's letters. He isn't just writing spiritual thoughts in the air to anybody who he just kind of desires to share his thoughts with. He is writing real churches full of real people with real things and challenges and issues that they are facing. But we don't know the specifics about verse 15. But having been in the church all my life, Having been a pastor many of those years, I want to hazard a guess as to what might have been happening. You know, the more rules there are, sometimes the meaner people can be. Um, too many rules and regulations do something to the spirit of a people. If we make rules that, if we begin to make rules that say, you can be a part of this church and you can come in here if you dress a certain way, if you have to pledge so much money, you have to work in so many ways in this church, you can't be late for worship, you have to be here so many Sundays, you have to attend so many classes, we better make sure you're singing when Jason sings. If not, you have to bring your Bible. It has to be a certain type of Bible. And you can't do this, and you can't do this, and then 20 other things. I know me. I'm going to begin to spend my energy focusing on who's measuring up to the rules. If I become focused on what people are wearing and, and, and how people are acting and, and, and if they're keeping to the letter of the law, and if people aren't falling into line, how easy it is to become judgmental and critical and even abusive. The point becomes the regulations, not the relationship. 
My guess is that that was the way things were becoming in Galatia as they chose to be legalistic instead of live by the gospel of grace that brought freedom. They began to keep track, to measure one another, and they became disappointed and they became frustrated because people weren't doing all that needed to be done. And instead of love and compassion, there was backbiting and anger. No, grace doesn't give a rule for every little thing. No, grace and freedom doesn't measure every detail. Because grace puts us in the wide open spaces of freedom. And that can be hard. Philip Yancey writes how hard freedom can be. He wrote, he said, at first glance, legalism seems hard. But actually, freedom in Christ is the harder way. It is relatively easy not to murder. Hard, though, to reach out in love. Easy to avoid a neighbor's bed. Hard to keep a marriage alive. Easy to pay taxes, hard to serve the poor. And when living in freedom, I must remain open to the Spirit for guidance. I am more aware of what I have neglected than what I have achieved. I cannot hide behind a mask of behavior like the hypocrites, nor can I hide behind the facile comparisons with other Christians. Yes, freedom is harder than a brickload of rules. It may be messier, too. You know, some people, fear, some people fear the judgment that will be at the end of the lie, at their lives for the bad things that they have done. That's what they think is going to happen, and they fear that. But, you know, that's been taken care of on the cross. But to abuse the freedom that was paid for with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think is a much more fearful thing than any wrong I do. There's much greater judgment, I think, to come for grace that is abused than for our moral mess-ups. A few Sundays ago, I shared this phrase. It comes from St. Augustine. Love God and do whatever you please. Love God and do whatever else you want. Do whatever you please. Yes, we're free to do whatever we want because the Lamb has been slain and we are forgiven. Now, what will you do with your freedom? God gives each of us the freedom to answer that any way we want to. Just take a moment to reflect on your freedom in Christ. Take a moment to reflect on where that's pertinent to you in your life, what it means for your life, how you want to live. Take a moment to reflect on the cost of your freedom. And then I'll close this with prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you have set us free. So help us not to abuse that freedom nor to live under some forced religious compulsion. Help us to live by the grace you give us. Amen.